Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby. It doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB. And in studio here with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And down the line is Tim Cocker. Tim, how are you? How are you doing, gents? Uh, I feel like I'm slacking off uh, <laughs> at times, doing too many podcasts from too- remote locations. <clears throat> yeah, too many. Uh, are you going to be on in a remote location tomorrow when Love Island kicks off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be in London. Is that a remote? Lo- that's a remote location. I guess it? it is relative yeah. to where the dungeon is. <laughs> yes it's all relative so, isn't it so the answer to that is yes it's yeah, a good job we good job we um shelled out and got both an egg chasers branded shipping and tmo shipping container and a love island branded tmo shipping container isn't it just thank god <laughs> are, we, are we are we gonna do a love island podcast maybe? I, don't, I, I don't know let's see let's see what they're like when they're entered into the <laughs> into the house let's face it we've got nothing else to do we're still locked down <laughs> we're definitely doing a rugby podcast both today and well i can't wait to get stuck into um, more lions podcasts as well so i guess that, that that should be a timely reminder that if you haven't already hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast thank you very much for listening to this uh, support us on patreon.com slash egg chasers uh, we give uh, live ticket um priority to our supporters we do shirt giveaways to, for our supporters and various other things that we're looking to do more live shows when we're and able to not least the north dorset sevens which we'll talk about in a little bit yes absolutely also we have massive news well how timely is it that we're giving away a harlequins jersey yes how timely i have never ever known a response to anything <laughs> like this harlequins jersey who would, who would have well guessed? it's not just a harlequins jersey let's let's be fair it, it's, it's a massive a, harlequins jersey it, it's a match worn bona fide genuine will greenwood premiership Harlequins jersey circa the late nineties, early noughties. Yes, I, that, have got, yeah. Have we, have we got a date on it yet? I th- I think it's it's late nineties. I think it's um, mid to late nineties, early in professionalism. Yeah, it's definitely mid nineties. Definitely mid nineties, and it's sat here. And just and just to recap, the story behind that is the person who won it in our Patreon giveaway, Bob Sugden. What an absolute gent! Said, I think this is such a fine jersey. It deserves a home that would really, really appreciate it. And therefore, he's offered it up for the best pitch, of which, as JB said, we have had so many so emailing contacteggchases at gmail.com. That's not the story behind this jersey, Tim. 
That's only part of the story behind this jersey. This jersey was originally worn by Will Greenwood. And what happened was I was having a beer in Llandidno on a Sunday and my friend, Ben Evans, got a phone call by the organisers of Sky Sports Hard Knocks and they said, do you want to play this game? And he said, no, I'm out having a beer with friends. And I overheard this conversation. I said, what, there's a game going on? Where, where can I find this game? <laughs> he was, uh, it's in Arius Park. So I finished my beer, got my members to pick me up because I'd had one, one too many. She drove me down to Arius Park where I met Will Greenwood. But more importantly, I met his dad, Dick Greenwood. Uh, we struck up a very, very minor short-term friendship. Uh, <laughs> and then I bumped into him again in the Macclesfield Sevens, where I helped him out with lifts from Macclesfield back to North Wales for some of the guys in the hard knocks that were playing Sevens. And as a reward, he offered me a Will Greenwood England jersey. And I said, no, I don't want an England jersey because I'm Welsh. <laughs> Do you have a Harlequins one? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, um, give me your phone number. So I gave him his phone number. He called me back two days later, said, Do you want to come over? And I came over and he handed me this Harlequins jersey. The very one that's on our table right now. Yeah. So and could be yours. I earned that by ferrying naughty boys back and forth <laughs> from I'm, Macclesfield Rugby Club to North Wales. We have had some phenomenal pitches. I'm thinking since Harlequins have, are now Premiership champions, and there may, be, there may be more people, again, with the start of the Lions riding the crest of a wave and maybe listening to the podcast for the first time in a while or the first time ever. Maybe we should just keep this open for just a little longer, just for any other pitches that might come through. Well, I've already got some criteria. Okay. My number one criteria is I'm not going to give it to anyone who's asked for it for themselves. Yes, because we have had a lot of people saying it would be amazing. Well, no, I was going to say we've had a lot of people who said it would be amazing for so-and-so because a friend of theirs. And I think that's much nicer that someone's thought about their mate to give it to. But now now you've said that's a criteria. People are just going to BS and pretend. Yeah, so... No, 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 our listeners wouldn't do that. They're full of integrity. Well, all I'm going to say is if it is open for this week as well, the criteria, much like winning Victoria Crosses, it gets harder and harder as time goes on, <laughs> is going to get tighter. So that won't do anymore. Not only will it have to be for someone, it might even have to be for something. So, um, yeah, any, any more entrances to the shirt giveaway? Mind you, I don't know. We'll have to have a discussion, see who gets it, because like like you say, there are so many people with reasons to have it. Mm. Far better than, well, actually, no, not far better than me. <laughs> I buried under underprivileged youths from a rugby tournament, so no. Well, yeah, but do you know what? This it's the big world of karma, JB, and you're paying it forward. And these things always come back. And well, for one thing, it's just a token of the appreciation we have for the people that uh, make this podcast possible by supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, well, I think the karma is going to be when I give away your Japan shirt, which you love so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? No. Maybe that's maybe no. that's next month. No, we need to give... No, not yet. <laughs> Soon. I've got a few ideas for that. But anyway, anyway. So, listen, before we... Let's, let's, um, let's talk about how the sausage is made on this podcast a little bit. Okay. Let's just continue the discussion we were having before we hit record. Where do we start today? I'd go Premiership final because I think meaningful rugby is always the way forward. What What do you think, Tim? What do you think, Tim? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm. My whole career is based around thinking about my audience at all times, and I'm absolutely well. My, not even a gut feeling. I know that the Lions is such a massive 
thing. It's such a massive occasion that that, as, as incredible as the Premiership final was, and I can't wait to talk about it, the Lions is where it's at. It's start, the tour has begun. The, the, the plane is in the air. The guys are touching down in South Africa. The, the captain is, is injured. That There's so much to go at, and it's the biggest rugby event in the last four years outside of a World Cup. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, uh, so it's a warm-up game. Warm-up game, though. Well, so Tim, Tim, you gave a much, much better pitch for it to be the Lions than, I didn't know than it was JB. A pitch. It's just an opinion. I just it, dived in with an opinion. I can get a pitch if you want. It's always a pitch, JB. You're you're a natural-born salesman. If that's your pitch, hang on. That, li- life is a pitch. <laughs> No, I see JB's pitch. Give him a second chance. Go okay, on. Go, go on. Give me because yeah, Tim the is elevator, given... The elevator's going up. Go. You're talking about the most monumentous final probably in Premiership history, right? You're talking about a team who have done this, despite the odds, a team which I don't think will ever be able to repeat this. We've just witnessed Premiership history, and this is probably the game which is going to engage more people into domestic rugby and the English domestic game than any other game before it. I think it's one of the most important games. It's not one of those things which happens every four years. This happens maybe once in a lifetime. And you want <laughs> to talk about the Lions. Like it, you want to talk that about the Lions. Come on. There you go. Great pitch. Two, That's better. Two very good pitches. And and both with merits, actually. I, I, uh, obviously, the Lions is bigger when you get to the test matches. And uh, when you're approaching the test matches. Unfortunately, this was... Um, it, it was a friendly... It wasn't even a, a capped game, according to the Lions. Oh, it was eventually... That, was no, the, no, 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 they haven't decided. They're going to decide after the tour if afterwards. it's a cap game or not. Afterwards. What? Huh? I mean, that is ludicrous. I tell you what, I could talk a lot about the decision making around this game. <laughs> but, um, so I, I would actually land on the side of the Premiership first because, wow, okay, because what a game! What a game! I've, I've, I don't think I have ever seen anything like it in a final. All right, finals Fair are enough, finals are often slow, boring, turgid affairs. Even the, the the great Wasp team that played against this Exeter team last year, that ended up being a, a like a, an arm wrestle. And this was just fireworks the whole game. It was amazing. And they shouldn't have won it. I, I don't think they can win it again. Uh, it's a one-off. It's a fluke. It's who who knows? Things, who, who knows? How, who how about... Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Phil's casting vote. I'm just going to try and... Um, upsell you a little bit <laughs> forget the game could we just briefly touch on alan win jones which i think is the biggest okay. biggest rugby story in town alan win jones and what's potentially going on in south africa those two things won't take very long yeah and i agree they're that they're, they're more prominent and more important than the actual 80 minutes of the game itself okay yes i think that, that's a fair compromise Fine. Go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> no, no. So the news we have is that the tour captain is out of the tour and may make it back for the test matches. But horrific. I would say it's doubtful. Absolutely horrific. Um, interesting on this one is they played this game without a lot of other Lions. And I'm trying to think back to what the team was like when the Lions played Argentina at home or when the Lions played in Hong Kong against, was it the Barbarians they had a game against? Uh, they did, yeah, because yeah. um, Skalk, Brits and Owen Farrell teammates were um, that, scrapping. That's <laughs> right, yes. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason I bring those up is because in both cases they had access to a full squad. And yes. I don't think, although I could be wrong, I don't think the captain played. I thought it was much more the rotational guys and just having a look at people. 
But in this case, they didn't have the chance to call up their full contingent because a lot of guys would be in the final or they'd be doing something else or they seem to be a bit cagey around the England players. And I do wonder if Alan Wynne-Jones should even be on the pitch, bearing in mind what his role is when they when they need him. They don't need him to go and beat Japan in a warm-up or they don't need him to go and beat, I don't know, Western Province or whoever they go and play. They need him to win tests. <laughs> so I wonder... Did this idea of playing an extra Lions game before they had the whole squad available to them come back to bite them? Um, well, it, it has done, but there's there's also a balance of, yeah, you don't need Alan Wynne-Jones to, that, to um, play that game, but how much meaningful rugby has Alan Wynne-Jones played since the Six Nations? Well, he's not played a single meaningful game for the Ospreys for about four years. <laughs> there you go. You've, you've, he's got to get some game time. So you you can't you can't just save him for the tests. Well, yeah. Is that literally what he does for Wales, though? <laughs> it like, is, but they normally take the autumn internationals to warm up where they're absolutely dreadful, and then by the end of the Six Nations, they're, they're ready to they're go. purring. Yeah. So based on that logic, just by the end of the tour, he might be in a decent nick if he only played the the three tests. Absolutely devastating. It's it's just it's everything you don't want. You know, you've got a warm up game which you can't which you can't sell out. You know, the monetary value of it isn't that great. You've got your captain out there, he's injured. They've lost Tupperick as well. Yeah. Um <sighs> Which which is a big loss, but less of a loss than Alan Wynne Jones, than losing your captain. Yeah. And and the captain so losing Alan Wynne Jones is interesting because it means two changes, not just one change. And obviously we've seen that Adam Beard has been brought into the squad, which is um not my, not, not my go to. No, he's not exactly being celebrated by many people. Um, he's he's a big boy and he's pretty solid. And he, yeah. he's one of these players who, because he doesn't look like a rugby player, I mean, he's big enough to be a rugby player, but he looks like an accountant yeah. that just um, scaled up by 50%. A very big accountant and, is he. Yeah, exactly. Um, like Dev Toner. Yeah, but Dev Toner just looks harder. I don't know. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? There's something. It's, 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 Adam Beard's got a very small head. Dev Toner looks like an awkward bouncer him. rather than an awkward professional. Yeah, but because of that, I think people people think he's not as good as he actually is. I think Dev Toner's phenomenal. Uh, but you're uh, also I'm, I am talking about Adam Beard. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Th- I think he's actually underrated. Now, I'm not saying he's up there with um, some of the others, and I think someone like Johnny, Johnny Gray Johnny Gray has been hard done by. Yeah. And I think if Launchbury was fit or Cruis was uh, available, those yeah. two would have been ahead. But oh, James Ryan, it, not a, a, he's com- injured. Combination of injuries and form. Yeah, he he is injured. Not but, a, not a lion, James Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm perfectly happy with whoever Gatlin selects. Yeah, I mean, he knows these guys far better than I do. I don't watch any Welsh domestic rugby except if maybe they've got a premiership team in Europe so I won't profess to be any expert on them um, he knows you make it, he knows better it, than I do simple as that what do you, you make of Conor Murray though as captain I'm not sure many people saw that coming either I never saw did, I, I didn't even have him in my top five no not same um, has, has he captained Ireland ever I don't think he captains Munster no Omani um, yeah, normally captain's monster. Omani's captain Ireland. James Ryan is captain Ireland. Uh, Sexton captains Ireland. So does this CJ, just... is CJ Stander captain Ireland and Munster as well? I'm trying to think. Oh, definitely. Prob- yeah, I'd be amazed if he hadn't. Pro- probably. Yeah. 
so does this tell you that Owen Farrell's not going to start and Stuart Hogg won't start? Tell, that's what it tells me. Uh, not necessarily, but it, it does mean that, in my head, it does mean that Gatlin has more question marks over those two than he does um, over um, Conor Murray. Albeit, as we've pointed out before, scrum half is probably the weakest position. 12, maybe? Um... No, you got you got Henshaw, Henshaw and Bundyaki. You can cover that one, and Bundyaki and yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, so, but but just finally on this, then on the captain thing, I, I just quickly tie in the fact that earlier this week Warren Gatland talked about the fact the players had a vote for their leadership group. Now we have to assume, obviously, Alan Wynne Jones would be part of that, regardless. So, uh, you yeah, discount, you can discount him from the vote. But Warren Gatland said four people were selected by the players. The person with the most votes was Owen Farrell. And then there were three others. And when Warren Gatlin was asked, so who are the three others? He said, I'm going to keep that to myself, which, which tells me two things. Firstly, that he was deliberately, strategically pumping up Owen Farrell's tyres a little bit, making that yeah. public, but not telling anyone else, which I think is a really interesting man management move, bearing in mind the criticism Owen Farrell has had. So it means but, so, surely that means he's going to drop him. <laughs> and, and secondly, I think we can now assume Connor Murray was one of the four. So who do you reckon the other two were? Ooh. So it's got to be guys who are experienced and talkative, I would assume. Hog? Yeah. Hog? You oh, would think would I'd, be one? I'd, well, Hog's well, not joined up with them, so, so it'd be yeah, weird but, if they did. Uh, bigger, bigger this def- is the leadership group for the whole tour. Bigger yeah, big, interesting yeah, shout. Bigger, I would have thought so. But just going back to that, Tim, right? If everyone's available, that's fine. But if you've been in Jersey for two weeks grafting, surely your mind's going to be trained on the two on the lads who've been grafting with you, rather yeah, than perhaps, hog. Yeah. I, I just that's how I think about it. I mean, it'd be otherwise. I'd have to sort of say as they were voting, don't forget about Stuart. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget about you know whoever it is. Johnny Hill. Johnny Hill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Falatau. Courtney. Marrow. Yeah. <laughs> Club captains. I'm thinking of really. Well, yeah. Marrow's the one that I think a lot of people would have been expecting. You, you said Hogg and Farrell, maybe the this is the indication that they're not guaranteed starters, which is an amazing thing to think about Stuart Hogg, but we can get onto that in the Premiership well, final. Yeah, he's not even a starter for Exeter. Yeah, no. ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> Isn't all on the but, Lions tour? No. He will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, go on, Phil. Um, but, 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 but Marrow, I was going to say, that, that was the one that people were talking about as a potential Lions captain before the tour even started. Yeah, and, and part of that is because you've got to have you've got to pick someone who's guaranteed to be a starter. You can't have someone who there's question marks over whether they're going to be starting. And, and Marrow is one of those. Whether he plays second row or six, he if if he's fit, he will be playing. So that's half of it. And obviously, he has captained um, certainly England under twenties. I don't even know if he's captained Saracens. Um, certainly, infrequently if he if he has done. Yes, good shout. Um, good shout. Anyway, th- thank you for entertaining that particular portion of the conversation. Um, yes. I appreciate, I appreciate we now, uh, you know, I'm a man of honour. Let's talk about the Premiership final. That's big of you. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a game. Let's start with this. Where, what, how do you unpack it all? Well, I, I, was, I was watching this thinking, this is no 6-3. This is... <laughs> this is this is not as entertaining as a six three in, on a medi- on a muddy night in uh, Bath. I ha- I had Exeter to win this by thirty. <laughs> no. Hands down, right now. I, I had Exeter part- by ten. Yeah. in my head. Well, the first part, right? They scored over thirty <laughs> points. They scored over thirty points. I tweeted 
a while back, and I don't want to, you know, reflect on my uh, on my predictive abilities. But I tweeted as, uh, as a joke, like, "Hey boys, uh, I think we're going to need roughly uh, forty-six points to beat this uh, Quinn Quinn's team after they scored like forty-eight against Wasps or something ridiculous, forty-eight against Bath." But it does actually seem that you need somewhere in the 40s <laughs> if you want to be Harlequins. Bristol found it out the hard way. It's amazing. Exeter have found it out the hard way. Yeah, and that's, that, that's what I think. You can't just look at this final in a vacuum. It's the last seven days. <sighs> well, it's not in the last Absolutely seven days. Absolutely insane. Everything... The semi final final. 28 0 down. The odds on Quinns winning the final at that point. I'd love to have known what the odds would be. <sighs> Oh God! You know, I mean, like it must be close to a hundred to one at, at that stage. Yeah, like, or, or longer. But I disagree with you, Tim. It's not. It's not that. The amazingness started when, um, when Gustard went. That that's when it all started. But if you take, like, I think Tim's point was just in this seven days, it has been unbelievable. Like the, those yeah, two performances but- from from after. Was it was really after 38, 39 minutes in the Bristol game, they were poor until then, and then they just exploded. And yeah, they, who, they, how long's the Premiership been going for? 20-odd years? And yeah. we've, we waited 20-odd years for the best Premiership game ever last weekend, and we only had to wait a week for <laughs> a game that was better. Can't wait for the opening weekend. What a game. It was just... It was bananas. But both teams... Both teams had beautiful balance to them because both got one over on each other at various different times in the tight. Yeah, I mean, four minutes in, Quinn's score, they win a penalty try by turning down a kickable three, kicking for the corner and charging so that um, Johnny Hill and X have to, have to um, drop it in the corner. They, they took, um, just before half-time, they turned down another kickable three, took a scrum... Deep inside Quinn's twenty-two, and went to score for the the Dombrant try, and then f- the other side of the coin. So Quinn's dominated extra at times. Extra dominated Quinn's at times. The first two tries were extra bullying Quinn's. It, the the balance that each of the those had with that aggressive forward play, and then when each team went wide. Their handling ability, their timing, the movement on and off the ball was just amazing. It was it was an incredible game to but watch. It didn't go the way you think it would either. So the scrum dominance of Harlequins was frightening. And this was a team in Exeter that had dominance over Sale, who are very, very physical themselves. So I don't know if it's style makes matchups or what happened there, but this Harlequins scrum was all... I can't even say that. Harlequins scrum was <laughs> awesome. Absolutely awesome, but but they both did it because like if yeah. if you take the Sam Simmons try, which yeah. came from a uh, it came from a Henry Slade left footed kick to the corner, yep. which was a total dominant. So was, after about fifty five sixty minutes, it was a totally dominant extra scrum that won a penalty against, and it was still it was the first choice front row from from both sides at that stage. So they both were bullying the other team at various different times. They both had it their own way and then did not have it their own way. It looked as well that the Baxter plan for this game, which I thought was strange. So, uh, oh, but by the way, how, where did you watch this game? How were you watching it? Just at home. Tim? I watched it on a train from... I was, I was at Murrayfield, so I watched it on a train 
between Edinburgh and Oxenholme in the Lake District. Oh, nice. Mm. So I watched it on a what I ha- I hijacked our YouTube channel. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> and I watched it in a watch along with Jamal Ford Robinson. Yeah, nice. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, well, you say brilliant. I mean, you're not going to learn much about rugby if you watch it. <laughs> You'll have no idea what we were watching. Uh, maybe, maybe the last five minutes when we get really into it. Yeah, it <laughs> Other than that, you'll learn a lot about gaming <laughs> and gossip, rugby gossip. Got loads well, of that. Ooh, that's why, nice. Why don't you take the um, the last five minutes of the video and upload that as a as a separate video so people can just watch the last because five have, ten minutes with I'm, you and Jamal? I have no idea how it sounds. We just look like I'm, I'm, I'm get. I'm don't. I don't know. I think we just be like, ooh, ooh, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, that sounds, well, that sounds good. Yeah. There was one moment, actually, it was just after when Phil spoke about Exeter, uh, sorry, Quinns scored after the half-time break to extend their lead, and then and then Exeter turned it on. And you could see mentally yeah. they switched on. That scrum that Phil talked about. Yeah. Was, and this is what it said to me, and I think Rob Baxter was as classy as he always is after the game. Um, and I think he was absolutely right that his players just were just weren't switched on, and you you could tell that because they were in the periods when they actually did go have a bit of urgency. Right, oh my god, we're twelve points yeah. down. We bet we better start playing now. They absolutely battered Quinns, but it was just after that period, and I think one of the most pivotal moments in the game was when Exeter were were knocking at the door and they got a couple of penalties. And because the penalty was right in front of the sticks, they went for the three points to go five points ahead. And I remember thinking at the time... Mm. I remember thinking the same thing. Exactly oh, the same thing. Oh, no. I don't feel good about Exeter not going for the jugular and trying to get nine points clear at that point. Five po- Against this Quinns team, five points. Right. You're in danger, particularly yeah. when you're then giving up territory from a kickoff. And um, so I didn't feel good about, uh, from Exeter's perspective, about Joe Simmons taking the three points. And then there was a line out that Quinn's got and there was a shot on Joe Marler as the, all the Quinn's team walked towards the line out. And he was, you could see he was mouthing one word again and again. And he was just saying to everyone around him, you could just see him going, believe. And he was walking, he was looking each of his players in the eyes, just going, believe, believe. And I, th- it was, a, it was at that moment, it was about 60 minutes. I, I said, Quinn's, Quinn's are going to win. Quinn's will win this game. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, there's just so many different phases to this game. So, you know, I think they started off Exeter thinking we're going to put the ball high on Tyrone Green, which seemed like a really good strategy for a bit a bit of the time. And, and they were having um, Cuthbert, who is six inches taller than uh, yeah. Tyrone Green, and that he was chasing a good number of those early kicks. And Tyrone Green was jumping and, and catching like an AFL style catch above his head yeah. because he had to to there's, be able to there's no compete. Op- there's no other option. But he nailed it on two or three times doing that. But a couple of times also, Cuthbert got the better of him. Yeah. So, you know, so that seems to be the strategy. Cuthbert goes down. Quinns go ahead. But then Exeter have this period where they just win penalty after penalty. And you think this is inevitable now. Yeah. Uh, and, but Quinns seem, somehow seems to stay in the fight. And to what Tim said about them not being at the races, when they came out in the second half to defend, well, Exeter came out to defend, I was just looking at their body. And they didn't seem excited for some reason. They seemed, I don't know, dazed, baffled, sort of hit in the face. There is something about the, like, everyone, you obviously had a 30-point X to win. I had a 10-point X to win. I think everyone was expecting an X to win because mm. it, it seems like the inevitable. 
And there is something in the psychology of and it happens when a team goes a man down. The team who goes a man down has this boost because they know they've got to work 10% harder. There is an equal and opposite boost on the team who are a man up because they think, oh, I, I don't need to work as hard. And there's, it's like a, almost a demonstration of the social, social loafing that you yes. describe. And it, it almost felt at times like that was, that was the case for Exeter. Equally, there's, there was a, and, and uh, to that point, both teams conceded tries or, um, when the opposition had a man in the bin. So Exeter scored a try when Johnny Hill was in the bin. Yep. Quinn scored a try when Marcus Smith was in the bin. So they both overperformed when they had men in the bin. Marcus Smith in the bin, he scored a try. What on earth? I know. And then that that was such a, an important phase. So Marcus Smith goes in the bin. That was at exactly the same time as um, Exeter's second try. Exeter don't score again after that in, in that half while Marcus is off. But Quinn's not only score then, nine minutes after he went off with Vilko Lowe going over, but... That happened on like the thirty eighth minute, thirty seventh minute. They um they go over again with the Don Brandt try after forty two minutes. So it's that period where Marcus Smith was in the bin was the most dominant period that Quinn's had, or one of the most dominant periods they had in the whole game. Do you remember we used to talk about the All Blacks? Um, well, when they played, and one of the things people used to say about them is the importance of scoring before and after the half. Mm-hmm. Now they've done that. In Bristol, they scored what looked like a pointless try through Don Brown <coughs> right before the half. Yeah. And they come out and score right after the half. Mm. And I wonder if that's just another example of how valuable that is. They they scored three tries within two minutes before and three, four minutes after. So yeah. that chunk of half time wow, led, led yeah. to 19 points for Quinns. Yeah, I mean, if, wow. you got 20, if you're starting any any game with 21 points, <laughs> if you're getting 21 points at any point in a rugby game, in, you've got a chance, haven't you? In that such a narrow window as well. Oh, it was unbelievable. The, the quality of the tries. Oh, they were, I mean, the, the Devoto one for Exeter was absolutely yeah. class. Those Quinn's tries, some of the lines they cut, the space that Marcus Smith opened up, it was just outrageous. Wow. The, two, the two liner tries and the Esther Hazen try were incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, Esther Hazen, imagine having one of your best assets rested for six weeks. <laughs> when when bands go right, eh? Hey? <laughs> the perfect time to get him back. Poor Mike Brown. I did feel for Mike Brown in this game. Yeah. He could have been back. What was he, like one game? Was this his last game suspended? Maybe one or two, yeah. Um, well, we talked about it last week, so I don't need to go into it again, but uh, that's one thing that they've got to look at. Yes, red card people as you see fit, but the, a final like that, we wanted we wanted Mike Brown involved. You want Dave Ewers involved. You want Sam Skinner involved. Well, so let, let, let's look at the bands unless it's for egregious foul play. Yeah, in European football, I think they do a thing where they have a card amnesty after the after the group stage. Yeah, or after it might even be after the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, that's yellow like, cards. They get wiped, don't they? So yeah. from the group stages to it might be the last sixteen or whatever. I think a ban amnesty coming coming into playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, you've done something bad. That's you know, so. Yeah, we've got it. It wasn't for if it's for striking or deliberate foul play. Yeah, well, if, sorry, it, if it, it was for like Andre Esterhazen's one, for example, if he'd, if he, if his ban by the letter of the law, etc., had been seven weeks, I think rightly you could go. You elbowed someone in the face, mate. You've only got yourself to blame. When when you're, um, oh, I suppose Mike Brown did stamp on someone's face. So yeah, yeah. That, that that's a bit of a messy one. Yeah. So maybe 
but but for for we know the difference between you know egregious foul play and technical infringement as they said about pornography in the uh u.s supreme court i'll know it when i see it (laughs) (laughs) um of of all the quinn's tries though perhaps my favorite is the is the don brandt one yeah Mm. which was the last second of the the first half and just the way you could talk all the way about leading up to it and them going for the the scrum rather than the three but just the way that there was a, a rook just to the left-hand side of the post. Marcus Smith was stacked to the right-hand side, and he saw the space. Both him and Dombrandt saw the space, and he moved early. There was two guys, I think it was Vilko Lowe and someone else, who held um, Williams and Hepburn. Then there was guys outside him who brought the onrush in, I think it was Devoto and Slade. And Smith and Dombrandt both recognised it, and the hole that was between, that was created by Vilko Lowe being... Um, really close to the line and Smith sitting that bit deeper with men outside him it was amazing it was such a such an intelligent piece of play and it's it's not just the intelligence of Marcus Smith it's the combination of Marcus Smith and Don Brandt we both recognising it and yeah. knowing exactly what to do yeah so I think we need to talk a little bit wider about this Quinns team because I, it's not me hating on Quinns but this is a fluke this can never be done again <laughs> Uh, not in this style. So the timeline is they get rid of a DOR. Fairly unhappy ship at that point. They've got four guys, and between them, they have still not got a DOR. They just share out the, res- the responsibility. Pretty unique, actually, and from what I can remember in rugby. I mean, we've had situations where maybe there's two guys, but they've got four guys. Four guys. And they seem to muddle through, you know, with this Australian fellow, Billy Millard. And it, they just they've just somehow done it. They've then... Amongst all this mess, managed to re-sign probably the brightest young talent in world rugby at the moment. Uh, c- certainly, Northern top two or three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well Antoine, top... Antoine Dupont. As we... Yeah, yeah, okay, fair. Dupont and Munga. Um, in terms of like guys under, Munga might be slightly older, but guys under twenty-five who are audaciously talented. He's up there. Top, isn't he? top two or three. Yes, uh, you know, yeah. he can write his own check. He, he would be worth a million pounds in France. A million pounds a year. A million Why euros a year. Sign? Why million did he euros sign? A year. He should be like not signing anything until <laughs> after this game. Now he should be looking for deals. <laughs> but fair play to Harlequins. They got that. They locked him down. Amazing bit of business. And then they've got all of these weird sort of things happening to them, like no. None of their players are going to England. Marlis sort of retires, but he's still absolutely good enough. You know, they go and pick up points where they shouldn't be picking up points in the Six Nations because, of course, you'd expect them not to have players. But they've you, got all their players. You think it's going to fall apart towards the end because of injuries? Um, Bands. Yeah, Esther Hazen and Mike Brown well, being just, banned. Just, let's just talk about the injury, right? One of the best flankers in the Premiership. Will Evans. Will Evans goes down. This Kenningham can bloody play. Yeah. Tell you what, he is hard. Which, however they go about balancing both Ken- Kenningham and Evans when he comes back. I do not know. I do not know. Yeah, maybe move Kenningham to six, but then he's perhaps not big enough. He, I don't know. Yet. He can, well, he likes to bang. He loves he, to bang. He put in a, a hit on uh, Luke Carandicki uh, yeah. when Luke Carandicki tapped him <sighs> when that was brutal. Oh, absolutely. And, and both and he of them. He did it again. He did it twice. Both of them are like inches off the ground. I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't understand that from either player. I understand how it happens once. Go understand how it happens twice. Because one of them shouldn't you, want to do it, should they? You've got to though. Like what? <laughs> you've got to man up and do it again. Ugh. There's no I, I option. Can add, I can add something else, JB, to your little 
fluke cocktail. And that's this is not wanting to take anything away from Queens. They were the best team one on the day. An incredible six-month run. It shows how much the environment matters when subtle changes can make such a massive difference. Uh, but the, the other things I would chuck into the mix, no Saracens. Yep, and yep. Another thing Helps. I would chuck into the mix is Exeter in any other regular season, I think would have would have won this league. Not at a canter, because it's never at a canter, but they would have won because they they've rolled straight from one season where they were won both trophies, rolled straight into another season where they're where they're missing a lot of players. And you could ju- I think what we have seen is Exeter to never be able to click as they did last season because they've never had the opportunity to just stop, take stop and and reset again. It's just been one long grind for Exeter. Yeah, I, I think that has, it does have an impact. And I'm not saying that we should um, discredit or downgrade Quinn's achievements. But, no, no but not at all. Absolutely not. But... Exeter, they played in two of the most brutal finals and indeed semi-finals you could possibly imagine mm. back in uh, November last year. Um, and then a load of the guys played for England in the Autumn Internationals and then immediately we're back into a new season. A load of their guys then went off to play Six Nations for England again. And they've, they've just not had... A, since everything restarted in June, July last year, there is a lot of these Exeter boys who yeah. have just not... They've not been able to have a rest. And the way that they play... They can never have a rest because they're always on it. I mean, obviously, Marler is good enough to be the starting England Lucid. He's one of the best Lucids in the world, still, yeah. un- unquestionably. Brilliant. Now, next year, maybe Don Brandt never gets a cap, but Marcus Smith will. And you wonder how how often or how many more of these wins can they get? Remember, they finished fourth after all, right? So how many win- how many of those wins do they get if Marcus Smith isn't there, if Don Brandt's not there, if Marler's not there? Care hasn't got long. Not that it matters because he's playing like an absolute beast. But you know that's another thing too. So you've got this wonderful cocktail. I I said this ages ago, but I wonder if Rob Shaw leaving had a material difference to how they viewed life because the young lads have stepped up and done brilliantly, but the old boys have done just as well. Care was great. Um, Brown was great, and I wonder if seeing their mate walk out the door was a little bit of like, oh my god, you know. We need to step up here because the golden generation, we might never do it again. We've thought yeah. we were good enough for years and years and years, and now Rob Shaw's gone. Christ, I'm next. Picking up on your picking up on your point about Smith. Sorry, Phil, I know you were just about to say yeah, very on, quickly. Sir. Picking up on your point about Smith, and you would imagine he will be missing for games this season. It's and in, and also dovetailing this with Exeter having had a long grind. Two weeks ago, Exeter were playing an unbelievably brutal game against Sale. Whereas Quinns had got themselves in a position where they said, "Now nah, forget this game. We'll focus on. We'll just <laughs> yeah. totally rest up and we'll focus on semi-final and final." Yes. And yeah. Again, I don't sure that's a healthy attitude. But what do I know? I, it, it's worked. What I mean, it? correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation, but it, it has worked. I mean, I guess the best way to look at this is if you were going to sketch out a road to success, how much of the Quinns journey would you take and put on that road to success? And I'm not sure there's much of it. I don't know. There's, I mean, as you were making that point about, um, well, Smith, Don Brandt might be missing for England, um, Care, Marla, others as well. I mean, Vilko Lowe has to be playing for 
South Africa or England or so, whoever will take him. Has he got a cap yet? Don't know. He better have a cap. He better, he better he get better one. He didn't look that great when he first came. No, he, he didn't, did battered. he? He was getting battered yeah. in the scrums when he first came. So I yeah. think Herod was actually a, a, a better option for them for the, well, the start of the season. That's obviously gone by the by the wayside now. But he looks awesome. Awesome now. He looks incredible. And I'll tell you the other guy as well who has been a great fit for him is Scott Baldwin. Yeah, who leaves to go to Worcester. Yeah. But I, I was just as you were listing those guys missing for England, I was kind of thinking of your point uh, regarding Stuart Hogg for Exeter, which is you don't need him to beat Worcester. You don't need him to beat Gloucester. Like You need him for three, four games a season. Yeah, exactly. And maybe... He'd step his way to a premiership title. Yeah, maybe. If if the young guys keep building, keep um, stacking up, then, then maybe that could be the case um, for Quinns. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but they, their top-end talent is good enough, and particularly Marcus Smith. Is there a point here? And it's a, a very small sample size, granted, okay? But the teams that have been successful... I mean, who has won, who has won the premiership recently? Saracens, Exeter, yeah. Quinns. Saracens, Exeter, Quinns. That's since, it. Since, since Quinns, Northampton and Leicester all won it in 12, 13, 14. Northampton's the last team. Yeah. those three. Okay. So, thinking about fly halves, as we all often do, Marcus Smith has decided to stay at Harlequins. I would have left, but he's decided to yeah, stay. Yeah. Given I, the information I, we had at that time, I would have signed a deal elsewhere. 100%. Okay. Um if, if Marcus Smith, if Marcus Smith was a, a cryptocurrency, he would be to the moon. Uh, to the moon, yes. to the moon and back, <laughs> beyond whatever it is. Yeah, you just keep going. Yeah, because to the moon and back would be finite, but to the moon and beyond, infinite. Exactly. Um, so he has stayed. That bodes well for him. Obviously, Saracens have had Owen Farrell for the longest time. He's yeah. n- and you've got Simmons, who's nice and settled. Mm. And I imagine that he'll stay there. Now, you've got other mercurial talents who are capable of winning leagues but have not done so. Danny Cipriani would be one. George Ford would be one. Uh, even lower down the pecking order, when you get to England fly halves like Billy Burns, who is... You know, sorry, Billy Burns. The other one. Um, Freddie. Fre- Fre- Freddie Burns. Now, I can't name any more England 10s of late, but it does seem to be a thing that if you're a 10, you want to stay at your team rather than chasing Did you mention Zippers? Well, yes, yeah, Zippers. Zippers well, yeah, top, did, top yeah. of the list. I think George Ford did win the league. Yes, he in, did. In, he did. When he was 19 or in 2013 and or whatever it was. that was against Harlequins. Yeah, but importantly, which so that but the, the bit that kind of proves your point is he then left to go to Bath. Yep. Didn't win anything. Got to a final, but didn't win anything. And has then returned to go to back to Leicester and still hasn't won anything. So the stability. As soon as George Ford wins a title, as soon as you take the stability out of there, yeah. he's, not, he's not won anything. It's not long to, long until he joins Sale either. So <laughs> you know all those things combined. Yeah, well, he'd be. Um, Did I just it, say he's going to join Sale? It, edit that. Edit it, that. Edit that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be on the bench for AJ anyway. He would be on the bench bench, bench for AJ. <laughs> now there is something about Harlequins we need to also discuss, which is uh, oh, which sorry. is why didn't they wear their proper kit for a Premiership final? Here, well, here. That's that's a great point. Um, I, the point I was going to make was uh, Vilko Lode does have thirteen caps for South Africa. Ah, uh, right. Oh, there you go. So you can play sevens. Play for, sevens yeah, to for get... Tonga. <laughs> 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 Who was talking to me about this? Oh, Jam- <laughs> Jamal was saying right. So not, Jamal thinks he is tied right to. England, because he sat on the bench in Argentina. 
So okay. he's not sure if he can or can't play for someone else. Did he did he come onto the pitch? Um no. Hmm. Who's Jamal el- eligible to play for besides England? Jamaica Sevens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. <laughs> it's like yes. <laughs> yes, please, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so here's the thing about Holland. Yeah, yeah, so, sorry, the, the, yeah, the, the Quinn's kit. I, I, I know it's a very flippant point, but it's it's genuine. In years to come, they'll look at that video of them lifting the trophy and the memories of the incredible game will be ever so slightly tinged with what, 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 what was that? With? Yeah, exactly. They, you know, if it, or they should have changed into their quarters to lift the cup. Yeah. Something like or that. Or they must have a nice club blazer. Uh, they, well, is it the club blazer? Is that the supporters blazer they wear? Oh, and the striped one. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. Um, so two things I want to mention. First of all, the amount of messages that we've had from Quinns fans telling us how much this means is pretty cool. Because I do think there's a lot of very diehard Quinns fans. Yeah. Out there. A- absolutely. The second thing... Especially, especially when, I mean, in, in the case of us and many, many people, you just sort of didn't think this could keep going. We just assumed, well, they've done brilliantly to get to this point, but it's going to come to an end. And yeah. I think that's how most most people that weren't Quinns fans felt. And, and probably a lot of Quinns fans also felt like yeah. that. It was so inevitable that they were going to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, when, when when Bristol went 28-0 up, I was like, yep, yeah, that's what I expected. It's happened. Let's move, let's move on. Tell it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing as well is... They're going to appoint a director of rugby or a head coach soon. Mm. Not a director, a head coach. I think this is wrong. I think this is wrong on many levels. Tobias Matson. Tobias Matson. Yeah, Tobias Matson is his name. Where have you? Is that reported in the in some papers today? In the rugby paper. Yeah, yeah. So I was hearing that. Well, it doesn't matter when I heard it. I just don't think it's right. And the reason I don't think it's right is because they made a lot. Of, well, not they. A lot of people made sacrifices during the pandemic. For instance, they got rid of you know people like media guys and mm-hmm. people with not, like normal jobs, and they've won the title with these four coaches. I understand if you need a director of rugby, you should go out and recruit one because your first job is to be a rugby team. Mm-hmm. But if you've won the league with four guys and you've got someone like Billy Millard who is at the head of the ship, you're adding in a incredible level of expense. I think it's a terrible look, actually, both from a sporting perspective after they've won the bloody league and also just on a moral point of view. I mean, we are still in a pandemic. They've still not got crowds and they're still not turning a profit, but they did make a lot of people redundant. And I don't think that sits well. And I mean, I do wonder if they will reconsider, given what has just happened, because it it does seem to be working pretty well, the the Quinn's model with, with the coaches. And I don't know... I don't know what the hierarchy is, whether they are all equal and just specialise in the um, Nick Evans's kind of backs, Adam Jones's scrum, Jerry Flannery is, I don't know, defence. I'm not quite sure what the, the roles are. Um, and then Billy Millard, obviously, he kind of fronts the ship. Um, fronts does Same thing? I, I assume he does more of the, almost like a team manager type role, but more of like was, the admin side, but also fronts it. But he also was a coach. Yeah. The Blues, so... so- yeah, I don't know. But I just think... Do you, the only thing I'd say about that is maybe they get someone in or promote someone because I can't think of another management structure which is even analogous to what they've got. It doesn't no. even come close. No, the, the only one that's 
if they were to start promoting within that, that structure, you could get it to more like a uh, Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, yeah. um, and the, then the other Leinster coaches where you have a kind of head guy and then a senior coach who's not the head guy and then other coaches underneath them. Exactly. But I don't know. I, whatever, I, I kind of just say, well, whatever they're doing, just look at the way it's working. Look at the rugby they're playing and the way that they've when they've turned it on, have torn apart. Like not not just be at the times they were just tearing apart this X team, which is amazing, and that Bristol team, which yeah. which is an amazing Bristol team. They did get battered uh, by Sale though. So, <laughs> just just to just to return to Exeter, there's a lot of praise being showered on Quinns, rightly so, for the way they played. But this was a, an all-time classic that people will talk about for years and years to come. And Exeter played a huge part in that. Well, the reason it yeah. is a classic is because Quinn's Quinn's overcame monumental odds because Exeter are a monumental team. Yeah, that's why it's special. You know, if they if the, if the playoff was somehow against Worcester, I don't think we'd be saying <laughs> you know this is an incredible game. Yeah, I, mean, I think in a way the praise that we lavish on Quinn's is a direct reflection on the quality of Exeter. Yeah, and and Exeter did play some phenomenal stuff they they really did both their tight game as mentioned before and and the expansive game when they when they six yeah yeah sorry Phil I was just gonna say when they when they when they get going and they get the amazing front football and decide to use it out wide having the options of Simmons Devoto and Slade who they've they've got this amazing centre pairing who both Simmons uh, sorry both Devoto and Slade can play the kind of pivot distributor role but they can equally play the other roles that like Devoto yeah. can play the hard running center Slade whose tackling was amazing by the way the tackle he put in on Esther Hazen off a off um crash ball off a scrum was phenomenal 5 yards from his own line but he can all he can play that pivot that distributor role and then he's got the outside break he's got the skills he's got the footwork it's such a lovely balanced center partnership yeah um, let's not forget, this has worked for, for both parties, this Quinn's victory, because we, we, we do forget that Gustod went and won a Rainbow Cup. Yeah, he's won two tournaments in the same... I wonder if he'll get a medal, like... Um, oh, yeah! Because he, he did coach for part of the season, didn't he? I wonder if he is eligible. <laughs> what would he do? What Picking up two, tr- two medals in a year. If, won- if you were him and you were offered it, would you take it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I'd melt it, and I'd like build a beautiful housing for my Rainbow Cup medal <laughs> out, <laughs> out to the Molten Premiership. I'd accept it and throw it in a hedge. <laughs> Long, rich history of throwing medals into hedges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just an absolute epic. And I, the the um, the only thing, so I was coming down from Edinburgh on the train, and I was watching. I was watching on my Sky app. And uh, the, the wonderful BT app was obviously a, a little bit faster because basically I kept getting these cheers from different parts of the train. So it was like, oh, right, it's always uh... happening. Um, <laughs> I'm going to admit this. I, after this, oh, sorry, I think my internet's just breaking up. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's yeah. broke up a little bit, but we got it. We got, yeah, oh, okay. we, we heard it all. When um, I actually turned it off after the Louis Lyon try. I didn't actually watch the Stuart Hogg try and the and, and the final minute because I wow. thought game oh done. God. The internet's patchy 
and and I was um I've got such I've got a bit of a soft spot for Exeter Chiefs and I I've actually felt a bit gutted for the guys I know from the club there. Yeah, I felt yeah. a little bit gutted for them, I've got to say. But you shouldn't be gutted for favourites, but I was. Um, yeah. What was I say? Yeah, Louis Liner. I can't believe we've not spoken about him yet. What a game. I, is it an interesting we, one? Because we've got, we got a tug of war now between uh, Italy, Australia and England for his services. Is he if, eligible for Italy as well? Well, Michael, Michael Liner's like half Italian, half... Is he? Oh. Never knew that. I mm. think so. Mm. Oh, my God. So it could be like Paolo on one wing, Liner on the other wing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Louis, Louis... Gustav coaching defence. <laughs> yeah. Getting the, get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> um, Louis Liner, I thought he was having a bad first half. Yeah. He made a couple of handling mistakes. He made a couple, He had a couple of missed tackles. And then in the second half, and the way he took those two tries were ju- was just brilliant. So Sensational. I liked Louis Liner at the start of the season. He must have got injured or something because he went missing, didn't he? So he did, yeah. Or something. Uh, and I know this because I picked him up in fantasy rugby and he was doing, mm. like, doing a cake. But he came back in and around when Quinns came up to sale and got battered. Mm. And I remember doing comms and I was saying, the only guy on this field who is actually bothered to play today <laughs> is Louis Liner. And he, he came on at half time and he made a real difference. And one of the examples of him making a difference this week, he's he's a winger, right? He's a winger. And he flies in to contest a defensive ruck. Mm. I think that's the difference because he actually wants to get involved. He yeah. wants to make a difference. He's got a real attitude about him, which I like. How like, good he is as like a... Like Miles Benjamin. Very similar. Yes. Very. I, there are definitely similarities. Now, I don't think he's as talented, as good a finisher as Miles. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you know, guess Friend of the pod, Miles. Exactly. But, I, you know, that'd be a serious point, actually. I don't know how good he is as an out-and-out winger, but just as a general rugby player, he's superb. Yeah, he is. He's brilliant, and he had such a good second half. The, the, the guy who I thought was amazing um, for Quinns, obviously we've spoken about a lot of them, but... Um, one we haven't spoke about was Marchant. Marchant was ace, wasn't he? Marchant was so good in defence and in attack. And then later on, he got pushed out to the wing when... Uh, he was even better on the wing, I Northmore, think. yeah, he looked so dangerous. He was finding space. Yeah. And then he got... He went over on his ankle. He got his ankle strapped. And he was still dangerous on the wing. He feels to me like a guy that gives him a lot of security. Or should I say, they feel secure giving him the ball. Because when it's going that way across the field, it it's almost like there is a impulsion to get to him as soon as they possibly can mm, because he's he is a strong runner yeah and he's a hard hitter but he's also got that lovely outside break as well yeah. louis liner um that cat that take for his second try was pretty cool yeah because i think my theory is tyron green is horribly flawed and i don't know what it is about <laughs> he, him, i think he he's is. horribly flawed he is. amazing at one thing he's amazing stepping yeah. stepping and going forward and he's rapid um when in the first half um, extra um, ball inside Quinn's 22 and they had a penalty advantage and they kicked for the corner kicked for Cuthbert against Tyrone Green Tyrone Green got it and it would have been a foot race of Tyrone Green against Tom O'Flaherty I was Ooh, like I nice. want to see this but because extra had advantage uh, it got Flaherty. pulled Tom, back he's another one who had a bloody good game like, he, he uses his hands almost like an NFL lineman to move players out, out the way. It's hard to, like, very subtly move players. Mm. It's a bizarre thing to be saying. But he'll, like, get his hand on your back and he'll he missed one. Uh, he, he, he missed one tackle that cost seven points, though. He did, right. One of, one of the Louis Liner tries, wasn't it? 
Was yeah, the first one, I think. But let's be honest, in a game that high scoring, lots of people are missing tackles at some point. Yes, against True. such yeah. high calibre players. And if you know, it, got it one more try, they'd have won it. It was epic, and many congratulations, Quins. Yeah. Yes, they will enjoy that. I, I did see a picture of um, Caden Murley that got posted at about midnight. Um, he was still in his kit. Good lad. Um, and there was, I, w- I would estimate, at least a dozen, probably more, empty Moet, Moet bottles oh, behind him. Delightful. Yes. Delightful. Um, it is Wonderful. nice, isn't That's it? That's how I'd expect Quince to go. It, yes. He's he about to jump in his Maserati. It's so nice. The, the kit, the kit, the, doesn't the kit thing feel like, no, that's been done. Come up with something new. Yeah. Well, I think it's lovely that Quinns are keeping the title warm for the, the return of Saracens. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what good neighbours should do, right? <laughs> uh, well, yep. Yeah, I think we've done this one to death. What Congra- a game. Con- uh, c- congratulations, Quinns. And talking of doing things to death, do you know we're going to the North Dorset Sevens? Are we? Yeah, yeah, we're going to the North Dorset Sevens. And what date are we going to the North Dorset Sevens, Tim? July the 24th, the day of the first test of the British and Irish Lions in South Africa. Exactly. So, so here... that game will be on the big screen. The Sevens and Ten teams will be playing, which we have teams entered into, and we are, uh, we're happy to add to our already impressive roster. If you want to email us, contact techchasers at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, do it soon because uh, we don't have many spaces left. And then we're doing a, doing a live show. So you need to go to Eventbrite, North Dorset Sevens. You can find the link for that. And that is on the Sunday morning. Again, do that now. There will be tickets available on the day if we have any left. But if you're thinking of going there and then getting tickets, you might be disappointed. So go and go on the link, go and get your tickets for Yeah, and if you go to if you go to our rugby podcast on Twitter or twitter.com slash rugby podcast, it's pinned, the link to it is pinned on our page at the top there. Is it? Are we sure about that? Yes. Definitely? Well it was. Uh, it was. Uh, well, yes. It probably is. There we go. If it's if it's not, it will be. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I think it is. I've just I've, is. I've just checked. Louis Liner was born in Treviso, Italy, so he's eligible oh, for, you go. for your be beloved why. Benetton. Yes. Mm. Why did I think I, Michael Liner? I think might be Italian. I don't know. Maybe there are Maybe. a lot of Italian, Italian Australians, Australians yeah. like yeah. Christian Vieri, for instance. Yeah, 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 um, and and. Uh, the cast of Summer Heights, uh, not Summer Heights High, yeah, Summer Heights High. Yeah, it was, not wasn't Summer it? Summer Heights High. Yeah, was it the, Summer Heights High? The, yeah, the cool guy. Drazic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Michael Liner did play for Benetton in 1991. Did he really? He played for five years for Benetton. So the North Dorset Sevens thing is up here. I don't see a link to our tickets. Uh, interesting. Oh, well. Oh, oh, well. oh okay. Uh, oh, 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 dear. Right, so okay. we might have had a, we might have had a link up that has been pointing to the right place. Doesn't matter. We will sort this out. Oh God. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so there was um, <laughs> there was a historic game going on, was there, Tim? There was. Did you have and any? I, did, you have, did you have any part in, me, in making this history? I might have had a part to play in the official radio commentary of the British and Irish Lions um, for Talksport. Well, did you have to do it like there? Why couldn't you do yeah. it in, do it in studio? What was an outside broadcast? 
It was an outside broadcast at Murrayfield, JB, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. That mm. is pretty cool. Uh, how... uh, yeah, al- although I'm actually going to start with a negative on this game. I-, I had a brilliant time. Okay, well, that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's important. But uh, here, where, where's the message that we received? Hold on a second. Is this about the beer, Tim? Uh, yeah, it kind of concerns. Was it an email? Was it an email? Sorry, bear with me one moment. I need to find this because it was it was very eloquently put. No, maybe it was sent just to me. Mm. Hmm. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. Bear with me, caller. Um. So yeah, it was, it was absolutely fantastic occasion at Murrayfield. There were sixteen and a half thousand fans in. It'll be probably be the only game that has fans on the entire South Africa tour. And I was sat in the in the in the commentary gantry where there were um. I don't know where the message I've got is. I was sat in front of where all the players are. So it was the last time a lot of these guys were getting to see their family and friends and loved mm. ones. And, you know, like Mako Vinopolo was waving at his two little kids that were in the crowd. So it was it was a lovely occasion. Japan, their first proper test match since the World Cup. And yeah, so the whole occasion was absolutely brilliant. But and I can't find the message. It was just so brilliantly put. Um, but effectively... They, it, it was an absolute shambles. Everything outside of the rugby was a shambles. Oh, of course, it was. So for one, for one, they there were sixteen and a half thousand fans there. Yeah, there was there was initially many more, but then they had to cut back on the attendance, and they did it by a lottery. So loads of people bought the tickets in good faith, and then got told, "Oh, actually, you can't come." Like the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, like the Premiership, which leaves a sour taste in, in in a lot of people's mouths already then um then a lot of people that were traveling from the south had issues with trains because scots rail decided to wait until you know lockdown was finished to, and everything to have a strike so loads of people had real trouble trains were cancelled and all sorts so then when they get there i can tell you edinburgh is absolutely ridiculous yeah. uh, and i don't know i actually i don't maybe this is like it is everywhere else, in which case it is ridiculous. You have to book two-hour right. slots at pubs ahead of time. Well, I can tell you it's pretty ridiculous in Wales too. Like People do not want to do business. They are going out of their way not to do business. So no, I, I completely understand exactly what you might be going through. Yeah, so they, they, they don't allow any, any walk-up trade, even if there's loads of tables free if you haven't booked. And even then when you have booked, if if someone else is at your table, they might just turn you away. There was someone got in touch with us and said they finally managed to find somewhere to sit down uh, for five minutes and they, they, uh, sit down. And it took them about 40 minutes to get four Guinness delivered to their table. At which point someone came up to them and said, we need that table in five minutes. You can't stand. You have to drink up and go. So they down their Guinness. See, I went. wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, I would make a scene. I would stay there. And so <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I, I'm fairly awkward in, in that mm. way. And you know, then, and then, then you get to the stadium, and I cannot tell you. Bear in mind that let's just give you the context: sixteen and a half thousand people were in there, so that everyone could have three seats between them and any other person. Even pathetic. people that are in your, even people that are in your group, you had to sit three seats away from anybody else. <laughs> well, so, 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 with that, the context. Then the scenes at the bars were insane because it was thousands of people crammed in trying to get a beer 
all the beer was sold out, all the cider then sold out, then all the red and white wine sold out, everything was sold out before half time. So what you actually heard was them say, we are closing the bars at half time. That is a total fudge because everything was sold out almost immediately and hardly anybody managed to actually get to the front of the bar queue as it was. It was ridiculous. So I, I just did you read the Mark so, Palmer tweets? Sorry? Did you read Mark Palmer's tweets? Uh no. Yeah, so uh, he addressed this because the Scottish, the the SRE um, spoke about it. And uh, he said that because of the COVID situation, unlimited stock, you know, unprecedented demand before the game and then limited stock, they then made the decision to close the bar. Okay. And then subsequently they say something along the lines of it wasn't because they ran out of beer, it was a prearranged thing to close the bar. So they've got two conflicting stories. But let's just take no. the first one. Okay, let's take the first no. one. You've got a stadium, which is what? One third full, maybe one quarter full, maybe a fifth full. You know, yeah. it's not very full. Yeah. And this is not the first rugby game that's ever occurred in that stadium. In fact, from what I can tell, many, many rugby <laughs> games have occurred in that stadium. And it's not the first time that these staff have been asked to cater for a for a rugby game. So the idea that they couldn't cater for that amount, that many people uh, buying beer is beyond me. But what's even more beyond me is this excuse of unprecedented demand. Okay, well, you usually have 70,000 in, but now yeah. you've got you know, 16, so that should be okay. And then limited availability. What was the idea? What, when, we're going to buy in this perishable good. And then when we're nearly sold out of the perishable good, what, we're going to keep it for the Six Nations because you don't know what's around the corner. Are they worried about a global beer shortage? It's absolute nonsense. And do you know what it reminds me of? Because, in fact, it reminds me of a few things. I'm going to get on on right high, high horse now. I went to um, Trafford Leisure Centre or Salford Leisure Centre, one of these god-awful council-run leisure centres. <laughs> and be, to, to make sure that they... Uh, tick all the COVID boxes. They've literally vandalised their own leisure centre by ripping up every third chair in the viewing gallery, uh, which actually ended well. It ended up uh, in a bit, a bit, a bit of an accident. But we won't, uh, uh, we won't, uh, we won't go into that. The the more the more similar story is the one with the Rangers fans. Do you remember when the Rangers made the UEFA Cup final a few years ago? Oh yeah, in, in Manchester. Manchester. In Manchester, I they, do. They rioted and, and smashed the, smashed the place up. Yeah, that's what we that's what we are told. Of course, what actually happened is they had loads of uh, Rangers fans come down to watch the final, and because it's in easy driving distance, and for a lot of people, they're never going to see their team in the final ever again. It's like the perfect storm of it's accessible and we can do it, and it's going to be rare. So they all flood down to Manchester. They were happily watching the game, and then some somebody in That's Manchester right. Council decides this is too dangerous. It's breached health and safety. What we're going to do is going to get them in buses in the middle of the game and take them to the velodrome where it's going to be safer. That makes sense. <laughs> and, it won't, and they won't be in the city. So instead of actually just letting them watch the game and then go out on the town like they want to, some idiot goes behind the TV and pulls out the cow, basically shuts down the power of the big screen and unsurprisingly, they go absolutely wild because they don't want to get on buses to the velodrome. And the council claim it was a power cut. Same thing with the Scot- with the Scottish, with the, the SRU. They decided that they wanted to do something um, and they just went and did it anyway. I'm just, just a final thing to compound this whole absolute misery <laughs> of, a, of, of everything outside of rugby. 
bearing in mind how much the whole occasion and the day is part of it. I'll be honest. I love rugby. I love watching live rugby. I don't think it's worth going to watch a rugby game at the minute. Agreed. And, and, and I, I, I hate saying that because I know how much these clubs and these organisations and these unions need the money and I want to support them and, and you know, I support them where I can. But the final thing is, Edinburgh shuts at 9.30. It kicks everyone out of pubs at half past nine in the evening. Even if you sat with your group, even if you sat at a table, they say, no, we can't, we can't serve you anymore. It's not worth it, is it? You are right. You, it is not worth it. Uh, I, could, uh, I couldn't agree more. It is ridiculous. I've, so, Tim, I, I found the message. It's from, from Ben C., uh, Westfield Woody. Wow, thank you. And he, he does kind of finish. You, you, I think you've, you've covered off most of his points pretty well. Um, and he does finish by making that exact point that um, as much as he, he, he loves rugby, he's not sure if he's going to go back until things are back to normal yeah. because it, it is such a... I mean, this experience does sound horrendous. I feel broadly the same about everything, though, like weddings, um, going out. Mm. I mean, I'll go for a drink with a mate if I know him coming up, but I'm not going to go out. Out, out. I'm not not out, try, out. I'm not going to try and have a good time or just go, out on, <laughs> like, go, out, go out on a whim. I'm just going to go for a few beers and then, come, uh, and, and then come home. What I really hate about all this is there's been no pushback from rugby organisations or these you know, like things which aren't... In fact, there's not been no real pushback by anyone. I was so disappointed by the RFU's approach to COVID because they didn't you know, go lobbying. They didn't try and demonstrate why we should be playing or why we're not playing and football can play. Or you know, There, there seems to be nothing, just, just compliance so they get some grant money or some, some relief aid. Yeah, it's, it's left pathetic. to Rob Baxter to basically pipe up and go, it, it, I, I can't. He was the only person in any sort of significant role this week to just say what a farce it is that yeah. there's 60,000 at Wembley in next weekend and or weekend, 10 days time or whatever it is. And there's only 10,000 at, at Premiership. No one from a rugby organisation is saying this is this isn't right they're cowardly it's pure cowardice i don't know why they don't want to do it but they just they just sit on their hands they sit on their hands whilst the game withers away because they get paid and they get some covid grants i assume uh but yes it's really to be fair on the rugby one i do wonder if it's something to do with the pinch point of twickenham stadium which is absolutely awful yeah everyone goes through one place yeah i mean they there could be something but i mean even do you remember when Quinns had their first game? You had to be there in like three hours in advance or whatnot. Yeah, they gave. There was only like three thousand in, in the stadium then, and, and they gave everyone like ma- a massive window. It took like five hours to fill it up with three thousand people. The only way a rugby game at the moment is worth going to is if you get corporate. So I've been to Sale Corporates when they opened up, and it looked absolutely bouncing. Unless you can go to an MLR game. Go and watch Tim's beloved Nola Gold. Oh, yeah. 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 Move it to Florida. Yeah, Actually, right. we've got a podcast. Why aren't we in Texas now? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Globally mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. So I, I will just flag up, like, obviously, the, the, the premium podcast and content you get is right here on Egg Chasers. But um, I will be doing stuff with TalkSport as well through the Lions Summer. It was brilliant um, being being part of this occasion. And um, who, working with Jamie who, Roberts, he's he's what, what a man he is. Who do you like more, us or them? <laughs> Jamie oh, Roberts, one hundred percent. Okay, good. Jamie well, Roberts, Jamie Roberts. Jamie Roberts first. You for Jamie Roberts, I would in, in a heartbeat. <laughs> there's no doubt. Um, and uh, Jamie <laughs> Jamie Roberts is um, has got a nickname for Duan van der Merwe. Oh, he 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 didn't rate Iron Do as a nickname. Oh, oh really? I I like Iron Do. I like Iron Do. He wasn't impressed. He calls him sexy vis. 
because he thinks he's basically a, a slightly sexier Tim Visser. <laughs> Tim Visser is pretty sexy. Tim, Tim Visser is a good, I mean, I, good looking, tall, muscular man. I'm not having that. Um, <laughs> I'm not having that at all. I, I was explaining, so, of, because I was doing a watch along for the Lions and the Premiership final with Jamal, and who knows, no rugby players, by the way. Like, <laughs> he knows the guys he's played against and the guys he plays with. <laughs> And then he knows nobody else. So, uh, yeah, but he knows a lot of gamers. Yeah, on, he knows on... loads of gamers. <laughs> he knows loads of gamers, right? Uh, and loads of F1 drivers. Knows all the F1 drivers. And I was explaining who, like, who his brother was. He didn't know that his brother was uh, Acker van der Merwe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, honestly, these guys are related. And I think the nickname between these two should be something in relation to the film Twins. Twins. I don't know exactly what, though. I do know what you mean. What was the actual name of the twins? Do we know? Uh... Oh. Find out, <laughs> find out what Arnold Schwarzenegger's character name was, because that, that, that might actually that might actually work for him. Twins movie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What was the moral of that story in the end? Because I've never watched that film. <laughs> it's a classic, mate. Uh, Julius and Vincent Benedict. Vin- so which? So which is? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not on IMDb. Vincent Benedict sounds like it could be uh, Duane. Julius. Yeah, let's say Julius is. Um... Just, <laughs> what, while you're talking um, old school niche Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, have yeah. you ever watched Hercules in New York? No, but I feel I need to. Is it, oh my word! Is it similar? Oh, it is. So you know, you know that category of movies. One of my favourite categories of movies of so bad it's incredible. Of which the room with Tommy Wiseau is the ultimate. Yes, uh, is that the you one? Watched the, you've have watched you made, the room, you made me watch you? that. Have you made me watch that with you? Is it on? Is it like Sharknado levels of acting? Possibly. It's. Oh no, it's, it's better than Sharknado. If you, yeah, just. I would I would urge anybody if they've not seen The Room by Tommy Wiseau. I think the whole movie's on YouTube and it is it is unbelievably brilliant. There was a great movie made about the making of that movie a couple of years ago with James Franco and and uh, Seth Rogen. Um, you... the, the, the the disaster artist which is really good as well. But uh, but no, uh, Hercules in New York is so bad. It's incredible. Is this... on a Schwarzenegger movie? Is it in Hold on. Is it in uh, on par with, so like, Crocodile Dundee in New York. It, it, was, it was. It was worse than that, or better. Oh, it's, on it's, it's way worse. Way way worse. But consequently, so much better. <laughs> because I do love those films. Uh, the genre film I like is like 
guy lost in America and how novel America was. Like America, you know, in like, the in the 70s or yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah. This like is... Coming to America, great film. Yeah. Great. I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. Basically, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a is a um is a Greek god who gets sent down to earth. Okay. And he, his chat up line is just sitting going and standing next to a woman and flexing. Yes. Um, and and then there's one scene in particular where he wrestles a bear only they don't have cgi for a bear or they don't have a, an animatronic bear they have a bloke in a bear <laughs> costume you got from from the fancy dress shop on on things which are so bad they're good have you ever i wasn't i wasn't even sure this is real i wasn't sure if it's a spoof of a spoof of a spoof like it was i thought it was like i do inception there's many layers to this but it is true the steve bruce books no they're real aren't they Oh, allegedly they're real. They're real. Do you, do you think they're real? I, th- I think they are real. Do you know what we're talking about, Tim? It sounds like kind of if, if Alan Partridge was a real person, this is, is it kind of like, has it got that vibe about it? Uh, well, it does have a bit of a Partridge vibe, but... Steve Bruce has allegedly written three books. Yeah, he has. Remember. He has. They, I'm, I'm certain they're real. But, and it's a mixture of like fantasy and real life. And they make really? no sense. But it, it's... They were written in like the, I think the late nineties. So when he was finishing his playing career, and they're written about this, um, like charismatic, talented uh, football manager. But it's it's written as if it's like Steve Bruce's fantasy of the football manager that he's going to become. Yeah, and they're so, so weird. they're so weird. It's it's bizarre. Like when you read them, you're like, no, this is spoof. This, is... but apparently you can't actually buy the books now. Oh my god, I'm just looking here. Uh, um, uh, Steve Bruce wrote three crime thrillers. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not. I was just assuming you meant an autobiography where he was. Oh, that's right. No, no, because there's murders in them and stuff. Uh, yeah, that. There? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The football murdered. And like, if you three want to buy crime, three crime books published between 1999 and 2000, you had a purple patch then clearly yeah. while he was managing Huddersfield town at the time, an epic trilogy. They, they were called striker. That's it. Sweeper and defender. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far do you think he could go? Do you think he was looking forward to the day that, you know, Spain invented a new position, like false nine. Or something. So he can, he can add Wing back. <laughs> yes. Another book right there. <laughs> Oh yeah, hold on, hold on. Yeah, so yeah. let me just read the the synopsis of the first book. Written in the first person, it puts you straight into the action of lead character Steve Barnes, <laughs> who is Steve manager, <laughs> manager of the fictitious Leddersfield Town, a small historic club aiming for Premier League promotion. Um, it opens with Barnes finding young Irish striker Pat Duffy stabbed to death in the dressing room. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's faced with Irish mobsters and becomes a target for a sniper in the stands while managing his top of the table clash against Fulham in the book's finale. Wow! I guess Fulham, hey, you, you know, you could have written about anything and you pick Fulham. <laughs> Amazing! Look at look at the look at the cover of the book. Yeah. I know the cover, the cover of Striker is incredible. <laughs> so try and buy one because allegedly somebody's bought up the whole story. They're either they're either out of print. Or someone's bought up the whole story. It, it costs you hundreds to get this book. Like I don't think they're. I don't think that they're available. Hang on, that the cover of Sweeper cannot be right. That cover of Sweeper that I've got in front of me now cannot be right. Can I see it? Hold on. 
What with the Israeli flag? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It, it, it looks. <laughs> maybe maybe Mossad's involved or something. Wow. Yeah. So anyway. we might have to try and get hold of those. No, you if can't. We can. You can't. It costs hundreds and hundreds of pounds. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I just looked on Amazon. You can't get it anywhere. Ugh. Buying the rights oh to those. The, I'm looking at the Israeli flag on that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. So wow. Well, I mean. So the Lions? The li- um, well, be- <laughs> before before we actually talk about any of the game, I've, uh, Tim, I've got an issue. I've got a big problem. And uh, it's a problem that was um, highlighted. It, it was really um, brought into focus by a um, friend of the pod, Ant- Anthony Dennison, who messages oh, yeah. on Twitter to Hi, say, mm. um, finally caught up with the Premiership final. Looks like the BT Sport guys must have listened to Jay Beardmore and Cocker because they were all dressed impeccably. Uh, were they? Were they? Well. Trainers? They had trainers on, but they did have ties on. They did yeah, have ties. Yeah, t- ties. Well, they had ties on. Uh Craig Dolan, he had a waistcoat and a jacket. Yeah, he looked good. So, well, they look good from the waist up. I, 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 I'm sorry to upset people, but I just don't buy the trainers and jackets. I just don't, I don't, it's just not a thing. Can't, no. <laughs> you wouldn't go to a wedding like, would you go to a wedding like that? No chance. Absolutely not. But I'm not as cool as some I, of these I, guys. I blame Gus P. Show. Yeah, well. Yeah, everyone thinks they're as cool as Gus. Jamal said he would do that. And he's a cooler man than he's, you. He, yeah, but he can pull it off. Yeah. I'm not sure I can. Uh, I definitely can't. Yes, I one hundred percent can't. But but that that's not what I have a beef with. I have beef with. Mm. What I have beef beef with is um, another friend of the pod, Nick Heath, um, tweeted a picture of the team he was working with with Talksport up at Murrayfield. Well, hang on, they're, they're going to be in ties, surely. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? But no, they are. Who is that, JB? I don't know. Is it a skateboarder? I think it might be a homeless man. Is, 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 that someone, is that someone covering the Tony Hawk Skate Festival? <laughs> what, what is it, is, it is none other than Tim Cocker working at a British and Irish Lions match wearing a hoodie. If only he, if only he owned a whole, well, a whole collection of Egg Chasers ties. If only he owned, he's, not, he, he's a man that owns... 40 identical ties. <laughs> Branded identical personalised ties. And some spectacular tweed and some beautiful chinos. He's got the whole repertoire and instead he chose to wear a hoodie. Is this because you wanted to fit, to fit in with the other guys, Tim? No, this is uh, this is two things. Firstly, it's the fact that this, uh, this day of rugby was in the middle of a weekend in the Lake District. Okay, um, can't, can't get, can't get right. a tie into Lake District, can you? <laughs> no tweed. Yeah, yeah, they're very strict on tweed in Lake District. <laughs> very strict on tweed here. No, so my, my weekends have basically, well, I climbed Helvellyn today. And mm-hmm. Have you done that one, Phil, with the striding edge? Uh, I can't remember if I've done Helvellyn. I've done, I've done quite a few in the lakes. It, yeah, there's, there's a fair bit of scrambling to be done. It's quite dicey at times. Anyway, it's good. It was great. Anyway, so I'll be climbing Helvellyn. We've been paddleboarding on Windermere, all that sort of uh-huh. stuff. So, nice. I, I, so I, did, I didn't pack for for that kind of uh, an, an occasion. And secondly, this is one of the great things about working in radio. I <laughs> love the fact I didn't have to think about what to put on. I've got to say, one of the things which disappoints me the most about rugby is how people in work... Uh, it's, no, you've got to understand, people who are there, as you are, Tim, are there because it's your job. So you don't have the sense of occasion of, say, a fan. But deep down, I am still a fan. And it always disappoints me, like the big games when you go to the press room and everyone is dressed like, well, like they're not that bothered, if that makes sense. Mm. 
But I get it. They are there because I think, it's no, their job. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. It was the, uh, I've said what an occasion it was and how important it was and what a huge moment it was. And I, I didn't reflect that. I, I felt it inside my, inside my heart. Um, I, I felt it, but I didn't reflect that. And you're right. You're wearing a jacket on your soul. The, the, yeah. The, the, those, those standards, if I let it slip, when I'm an, an ambassador for the for the game in that role, then I let it slip for everyone. And you're right. And so for that reason, I, I humbly apologise. I, I won't al- let it happen again. I always wear a jacket to go to the AJ Bell, no matter what I'm doing, because I feel it's Im- it's, it's important to many, many people. Mm. And I'd wear two jackets if if, if one's alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shall we, uh, I'm, I'm glad you, um, you recognise that, Tim. Will you be broadcasting in jackets for every Lions game now, even if you're in studio after that ticking off? Well, I'll be. I'll need to. Yes. Well, I will be. So basically, what I'm doing is I'm doing a day. I'm doing like a daily show on Talk Sport for like five p.m. in the evenings. Um, awesome. Uh, and but for the match days, when we get to the big big games, I'll be doing a little post game YouTube show with Greg Laidlaw. Oh, so I will, awesome. awesome! So I will look the part for that. Yeah, and, and Greg. Except for when he's ripping the buttons off his shirt, he always looks impeccable. He does. See if you make him wear an egg chaser's tie. Just lend him a tie. Yeah, good shout. And can I, I, I'm, I'm assuming the cameras picked it up on Channel 4 yesterday, but Doddy Weir uh, was there. there was a lot, we weren't sure if he would make it to the game or not, but he was there with his family and he had an absolutely incredible pair of trousers on. And Ooh, um, awesome. yeah, there, there, there was no more popular a man in the stadium yesterday than Doddy Weir. I bet. Good to yeah, see. absolutely. What about the game itself then? Uh, I mean, I do love, I love any Lions game. I love a midweek game. Yeah. I love a weekend game. I love a non-test. I love a test. I don't know. I was a little bit, I I found it hard to get up for this game. Oh, partly yeah. because I was looking forward to the um, the final so much. Yeah. And partly, uh, partly the stop-start nature because of Alan Wynne-Jones and then Tipperick um, yeah. getting injured. What was the Tipperick injury, by the way? Because I didn't see it. Uh, Even though I watched wrist, the whole I game, think. I'm not sure. I want to say wrist, wrist. I think I don't know though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Poor Justin Tipperick, because no one's really talked about him at all. I know yeah. he's just been ignored. Albeit, it is a good opportunity for um, Navidi, and I've got no issue at all with Navidi being selected. He is a quality Agreed. operator. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. He is. Um, but yeah, it was slightly different. So the stop-start nature, and then you you combine it with the fact that. Um, they didn't have all the players available, um, uh, partly because of there was still the Premiership final going on, but also because guys were dropping out, like Xander Ferguson and Hamish Watson, both dropped out in the run up to the to the game. For what reason? The injury or injuries? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a concussion thing for Hamish Watson and for Xander Ferguson, some back spasms, but they were both doing some pretty full on fitness work before the match. So. Good. That doesn't seem to be any major problem for Xander Fagerson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it was just a bit, I don't know, underwhelming. Perhaps yeah. I was surprised at how fluid the Lions became in the second half. I thought they did some nice things. I think Japan just proved they're a very good team. Japan just looked like a very very good team. And I saw it's a difficult one because if you played this game again, Lions would have got better, and undoubtedly the quality of their player is probably ahead of where Japan's is. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that, actually, JB, because I think the one context here is that the, as much as the Lions are, you know, a scr- scratch team of world-class players, obviously, but a scratch team thrown together and playing their first game, Japan haven't played a test match in 
20 months. Well, that's what I was going to say. And they got better in the second half. That's so ex- I actually yeah. think they they would improve more. Well, yeah, that that was kind of what I was going to say. If you gave, Oh, sorry. If you played it again, Japan would have improved. But yes. actually, so would have the so would the Lions. And yeah, exactly as you say, Tim. They got much better in the second half. And that, I think, is a consequence of actually playing a game. Yeah, Japan did get better in the second half. And um, they brought on two guys who did make a big difference in the two back rows. They brought on in Himeno and Tatafu. Himeno... Awesome. Like last weekend, he was in a Super Rugby final. Yeah, thirty hours on a plane to get to make sure he was there for that game. And this is why you wear jackets because it means something. <laughs> You're right. Himeno is such a good player. Yeah, he's such a wonderful, wonderful all-round player. Uh, I tell you what, uh, Matsushima. Matsushima. The way that boy moves, I know. <laughs> it's magic, isn't it? He's Absolutely amazing. magic. Yes. Uh, One of the things I love that the Japan do, they did it in the World Cup and they did it again, but I'd forgotten about it, is when they walk in after their warm-up, every member of the squad has their hand on a shoulder of another member of the squad, and I I love it. Now, that, that to me, uh, there's a personal story there, which would be nothing to anyone, so I, I can't tell yeah, you. Well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly what you're talking um, about. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Actually... Isn't that it, how it's you, whatever it's whatever works for you yeah. as a team. That, Isn't that how you yes. guide wounded soldiers with eye injuries out of battlefields? Yes. Like you literally <laughs> hold on to the shoulder in front of someone and the able-bodied man walks wherever they're going. In the land of the blind yeah. and all that. Uh, yeah. It's reasonable, I guess, whatever works. Yeah. So, um, but one thing I did think was a real positive was, and, and it's going to have to be on point, but the Lions' defence, particularly in that first half... Can I, can anyone explain to me? This is deadly serious, and feel free to say you can't. Anyone explain to me what zonal defence is? Uh, in what respect? As in what the what? What does it mean? I don't know what it means. So, uh, my understanding of it as a backline, yeah, would be instead of man marking, i.e., ten marks against ten, yeah. twelve marks against twelve, thirty marks against thirteen, you'll hold your spacing in your channel, and whoever comes into your channel, you would take. Yeah, but that's how I would understand it from a backline perspective. So let's just take the backline perspective, right? Yeah. If I'm a winger, depending the blind side. Yeah. And my opposite man, say, say the blind side consists of two people, a winger and another person defending, right? Yeah. And then both those players disappear. As a back division, do we hold those zones or do we follow? And if we do follow, what then? Uh, so in that scenario, I'd say you would hold initially, but then you'd have to sweep. So if the ball got, you'd hold initially to make sure eight doesn't pick up and go blind on whoever picks up and go blind. But then when the ball's gone the opposite way, you'd have to sweep um, to cover because there is going to be an overlap if there's no one on your side. And if once you've swept, you can't overchase on the sweep. So you've got to always be able to get back to your wing in case someone comes, in case the play switches and gets back into your channel. And why is that different to what you do anyway? Um, that side of things is probably very similar, but yeah. if if you're doing if you're doing a specific man marking, as in, let's let's say Duan Van, your opposite Duan Van der Merwe, he's a dangerous runner, so you are going to man mark him wherever he goes in the field. You stick on him, you would follow him. If he comes and stands in the ten channel, you would stand at the ten is channel. That right though, so where how I would defend normally, in a, say in a back line, is if I'm at twelve, I would defend whoever's well in, in front of me. Now, if no, well, no, no, if, no, no. If Normally, moved uh, out, and maybe I've got a, I don't know, 
a back row on my shoulder. Well, you know, we would talk. He would have that guy. I'd have, I'd have that guy. No, not... Normally, I would say, and let, let, I mean, this starts from a set piece, but then it moves outwards. Ordinarily, if you're close to your own line, so you just have to get up and hit someone, then you yep. would take the man opposite you. But otherwise, you would go one out. So fly half defending would take 12 because he knows that the seven inside him has got 10. And then, then you try and engineer yourself an extra man. Uh, extra man where? Extra man defending? Defending, yeah. Yeah, I just don't see what the difference... I, I, I don't think anyone's explained the real difference to me yet. Well, I, t- I, t- I can talk to you in terms of what the Lions did. Um, they they had their wingers defending quite narrow. So Josh Adams and Duan van der Merwe was kind of standing quite a lot of the time around the 15-yard mark. So they were quite narrow defence. Yeah. But then, but then they were in a very organised way, giving them the outside, but then managing to scramble and cover, which meant they were quite hard to break down. I thought they did that really well. Interesting, interesting. What one of the key differences on that type of defence should be if someone from the outside, if you're talking about backline specifically, someone from the outside runs a big unders angle. So thirteen runs a big unders angle. Yeah. Do you? As, as the opposite man 13, or it might be 12, depending on the 13 channel, but do you as the opposite man step in to follow him in as he runs in that big unders angle? Yeah. Or do you trust that, no, he's going out of your zone into so someone I, else's zone yeah. and leave him for that? So I would say I would follow him. Yeah, and then if the 12 goes outside, if there's like a... a piss, under. Piss, yeah, yeah, overs under type thing. You're trying to think of the, uh, the, 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 the age-appropriate word for it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Rangy, isn't it? Uh, Rangi's a bit different. Yeah, Rangi's almost like a, a reverse. Of that. That, that's that's a piss off move. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone knows a piss off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like everyone knows a Gregan ball. Gregan ball. Rangi piss off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, one one can lead to a problem, but that, that's where it becomes an issue. So as an attack, it's stri- again because I don't understand it. Um, I, I'm probably wrong here. It does sound to me like it lends itself very well to stuff that Newcastle Falcons do, which is trying to flood channels with lots of men. Mm. Oh, do, have I got? Oh, that yeah, yeah. No, no. That that definitely. And either defensive, either defensive structure. Um, if you can get two guys going into the same hole um, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. I'm interested. Um, and make, make I, I, it so... I, was, I was getting a bit bored, but suddenly I'm much more interested, Phil. <laughs> make, making, um, making the defender have to make a decision and the timing of the pass is perfect, then either... either like, there is no structure in the world that can um, guarantee you're going to solve that problem every time. Yeah, no. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, there's, before, there's no structure. There's no. So you're saying there's no structure in the world that cannot be penetrated by <laughs> two guys going <laughs> going through the same hole. Precisely. Wow. Yes. I mean, it's deep. It's pretty deep. <laughs> um, performances in this game. Duan did well. Uh, so Duan proved exactly what I was thinking in my head, which is he's such a handful going forward. Yeah. He's brilliant. Did you see uh, Tatafu in the second half running? Uh, so Tatafu, the, the reserve or one of the reserve um, back rows for Japan, um, was running in Duan's channel, but he was running un- an unders angle. So yeah. Duan followed him in, but Duan 
followed him in and turned his shoulders and hips inside. Oh, perfect. So Tatafu, who's 120 kg, just steps and goes around the outside of him. Like, he just, he's, he is such a good attacking weapon, but he is a liability in defence in, in more ways than one. And that was just such a good example. If a, if a best part of 19 plus stone um, outside back can step you and go around you because your body positioning is wrong, that is a problem. If you're playing against Chesley and Colby, that might be a big problem. Yeah. And by the way, how good is that guy in the top uh, 14 he's, final? He's oh right, my goodness me. He's just <laughs> ludicrous. He's he can. Is there anything he can't do? I know mm. it's ridiculous. I, I think the big positives for me were all Irish. Jack Conan. Jack Conan looked, looked great. Awesome. Ian Henderson. What a workhorse. I thought Bundyaki in that first half looked really good, uh, and I think he could be a really important player. Uh, Henshaw. For the Lions. I, I, you know, I think Henshaw in the last couple of years has turned into an absolute world class operator. Henshaw was brilliant, and Ty Byrne yes. was brilliant. Ty Byrne was great. Yeah. I, th- I think you're right. All, all of those Irish boys played really, really well. All put their hand up. Well, they're liberated from Andy Farrell and Irish rugby. They can <laughs> they can express themselves now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I learned anything really from this game. Uh, I do feel that it's not a proper game. The first proper game start when they land on South African soil. Um, Playing against the Lions next weekend, don't they? Yeah. Mm. That's, you know, that's That is a big deal. Hey, do they still have people like... You know, from the Lions team that went and won things, like Warren Whiteley and uh, uh, Elton Young. I'm Yanchies. not sure, there won't, there won't be any of the Springboks playing for them. But here's an interesting point, just on the tour in general. So there's a 14-day uh, lockdown just started in South Africa. And there is a contingency plan where they only play the three test matches and nothing else. Ugh. I can see it, you know. Yeah. Watch, watch this space for this story unfolding. That said, I've got a friend who, um, in December when it got a bit dicey over here, up sticks and moved over to South Africa just to avoid all the lockdowns and whatnot. And although it's bad over there, allegedly it's absolutely fine. So, Well, know, I mean, th- this is one of the things we haven't been able to uh, get enough of. But yeah, I, I similarly know people who are in other countries. I've got family members, in fact, who are in other countries which on the face of it, you think is the same as in the UK, but it's only when you speak to people there, you realise how how much more people's lives are normal elsewhere in the world. And, yeah. I mean, it sounds... I mean, I don't know. I don't know because I'm, I'm not there. And I've only spoke to a handful of people. I know the journalists going over there are very worried. And as they should be, because they might be locked in a room for bloody five weeks doing absolutely nothing. And that'd be terrible. Uh but the people I spoke to there say it's normal. But that's before the 14-day lockdown, which is coming around the corner, <coughs> happens. But you can imagine a country's... I think the difference is, in the UK, because we are so um, law-abiding, like we, we just we listen to these rules and we implement them voluntarily, for the most part, uh, that maybe our regulations over here are more abiding to. It doesn't sound like that is the case over in South Africa. It will be for the, for the, for the Lions... And it will be oh, yeah. in, in some sports <coughs> tournaments. If you're over there, I don't think it's that it's going to be that, uh, that bad. I do know that in a couple of the earlier lockdowns from South Africa, they they banned alcohol at one point, sale of alcohol. Yes, not, no, not well, just, they've done that this time. Didn't it? Yeah, yeah, not just pubs and bars, like supermarkets. You can't buy alcohol. That's madness. I mean, that's it does seem insanity. What are they that, doing? That seems a bit crazy. And then one of the other things that they did at early doors was um, they gave 
a one hour window for everyone to be exercising outdoors. So, so you, everyone's running around the streets and the park at the, in the same one hour window. Oh, it's like which, we started closing down some of the parks in Manchester. So you all had to go to the same park. Yeah, or you, um, the Taking number, tra- yeah, yeah no, number trains. of people on the tube has dropped by uh, 80%. So you take off 80% of the trains. Mental. So they're all just as full as normal. You are run it's, by mad. Uh, <laughs> there, there are so many things that we've just said that you would never have believed. And and uh, t- to your point, JB, I just can't believe there's so much compliance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway. <laughs> anyway, on to South Africa. On to South Africa. Yeah, just watch this space because there are twists and turns. Yeah, and there are... There's a pocket of people, um, mainly on Twitter, saying it's tone deaf that the Lions are touring at all. Yep. Um, I think a little bit of escapism and some entertainment is uh, exactly what we need. So here's okay. Here's the reason I'm not. I don't care about the Lions at the moment. I I just don't think that South Africa is serious because I I've not seen anything since the World Cup final that suggests that they are. Uh, have they played Georgia yet? Uh, they play Georgia next week. Right, so we don't even Friday, know. is it, I think? Yeah, I think it is Friday. Yeah, so the whole point is the Lions should be facing off against a world superpower of rugby. World champions. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. Now, in the normal circumstances, no doubt the world champions would look exactly like the world champions. We have no idea what they're going to be like. No idea. Now, if they come out, I mean, they could be amazing or they could be terrible, but that's not how the Lions tour should be operating we should be thinking, oh my God, this is the greatest rugby challenge that we can possibly put in front of this group of 15 lads. And we don't know if that's the case yet. I, I think it will still be a challenge because a lot of their players have been playing in Europe and yeah. anyone who has been based in South Africa has been playing in the Rainbow Cup. So they, there should be relatively few excuses other than injury um, of fit, like loss of fitness or lack of fitness. Well, if the Bulls are anything to go by, it shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, albeit without any of their South Africans, because none of them could travel. Any of their Springboks? Any of their, yeah. They full of South Africans. Yeah, any of their Spring... Their internationals. So if the Bulls travel to Teresa with no South Africans, I'd understand <laughs> why that scoreline happened. Um, did either of you get the feeling that... Um, so I love the fact that the Lions were playing Japan. Um, and a lot of these... A lot of these Lions have lost to Japan in the fact that Japan beat Ireland in the Uh, World Cup and Scotland in the World Cup. And it wasn't that long ago since they beat Wales. Um, A a couple of times, I think, they've beaten Wales. Have they? Oh, on tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in the World Cup. Um, Uh, That was the last Lions tour, wasn't it? I think it might have even been the one before that, 2013. Um, But but Japan are a serious outfit. They are a great team. Um, But they are... You could not conceive of another international team that would be further away from the South African style of playing. <laughs> this is like the worst possible warm-up for playing South Africa. So do you want to know my conspiracy theory about why they played Japan? It's not a conspiracy theory at all. It's just a theory. Money? Uh, it all boils down to money. Yeah, tangentially linked. Okay. Um, it is because I think they want to test out how good Japan would be as an opposition. Because if they look at the markets that they visit, you know, uh, New Zealand's a bunch of, you know, basically a small island with a few sheep farmers. Uh, Australia's okay, but it's not a huge economy with a huge population centre. South Africa's a huge population, but not a massive economy. Yeah. And then there's Japan. Which is a massive economy. A massive first world economy with a growing sport, and they are licking their lips thinking, if we could tour the, if these guys could just be 10%, 20% better. 
we've got a real real money maker on, uh, on our hands because it, it, it is an enormous market an enormous yeah. economy and you can you can see that by just the quality of the players who go and play there because of the money that's on offer there yeah exactly exactly so that that's why I think that think that this happened mm. although we all know the next tour needs to be um the Americas the Americas with a three a three game test against the Pumas yes or you could have like a combined Americas team like AJ McGinty pulling the strings for a Pumas pack that very much strikes me as like a midweek or a <laughs> or a weekend you know a weekend prior to the test game maybe very much maybe because so. you normally do mm. get like the uh, like president select yeah. uh, 15 when you go to Australia or does the president really select them maybe Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe. I'd love to know which world leader would have the nous to actually select a 15 from their uh, country. Berlusconi. Berlusconi. Formally. Yes, yes exactly yes. right. Berlusconi. Johnson, oh. quite, John, Johnson quite, quite, quite likes his rugby, allegedly. Um, but the no, thing is... Post-game bunga bunga. Yeah. The thing is, you're not... The present select team, you're not allowed to select the internationals are you because they're wrapped up. Because yeah, yeah. So even someone who watches international rugby, I think is going to it would struggle to select a presence fifteen team because mm. you need to know you need to know your apples. Well, it, it's actually um, doing it with England. This weekend could have been a good demonstration because England put out an England A side, yes. albeit they never played because of the Scotland team, but they put out an a, England A side that looked ace. Find me the MP that would pick Callum Chick. <laughs> uh, good right. question. Yeah, quite. Um, yeah, so yeah, good game. Fine. <laughs> so we'll watch the Lions uh, space with interest and hope that the uh, the Lions play the Lions next weekend. Yeah, quite yeah. Right, Tim. That's exactly exactly what I hope. Uh, I hope it all it all goes off according to plan. They all get their caps. It's a meaningful tour and it's as special as all the other Lions tours. That's what I hope. I just don't, I don't know, I've got doubts, I've got mm. doubts. But the show must go on. Absolutely. It must go on. Um, is, there Agreed. Else, is there anything else to talk about from this weekend? Uh, I so. don't think there's any transfers. Um, the appalling, the appalling treatment, okay, so here's something t- um, very, very um, linked to, well, it is, it is rugby, but nothing to do with what we've been talking about. The treatment of... Um, What's it? Corey Hill in Wales has been absolutely abysmal. So they've kicked him out of oh, Wales yeah. camp. He was in camp. Do you know? Do you know where, where they were training? Uh, I saw them in. Was it London? No, the Gamway Beach, mate. The Gamway, literally outside my flat. Nice, literally outside my flat. Uh, could, could see him from the window. Nice. Um, yes. Do you fancy a run around with them? Did you get a run around with them? I, do you know what? I, I, it wouldn't be fair to put that sort, that sort of pressure on them. <laughs> Um, yeah, he hasn't signed for anyone. All he's done is say he wishes to look around the market, for which he's been rewarded by getting kicked out of Wales camp, which presumably means he doesn't get paid his camp money or anything else. And I just loathe this, because Corey Hill's not a guy who you know, hasn't played by the rules. From what I can tell, he's done nothing but play by the rules. He's played for Wales when they've selected, when they've selected him. He's been in the Welsh system for maybe over a decade now. And he's decided that he needs a, a bit of a pay rise and that he needs to pay his mortgage and whatnot. And for that, they've said, no, we're not interested in having you around. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. I really hate it. I really hate it. I think it is bad. It's bad for this. So I, the rumour I heard was that he was going, he signed in Japan. If he signed? For, for half a million a year. 
Good for him. I hope which is too. yeah, which is mega money. Yeah. Um, hope, hopefully it is because it, it, it will be a great payday for him. But I sincerely hope that, to, that is the case. To drop him, to drop him when he's in camp, just seems ludicrous. Because the story, as I understand it, is he's not signed a contract. Okay. Uh, and I think the statement is, "I want to look around for opportunities outside of Wales." Well, of course. But the problem is with the Welsh system is if you believe, as the WRU, that you're offering, quote-unquote, a market-value deal, it doesn't matter what anyone um, offers. Just your intent to look outside means you probably should be dropped because there's a chance that you won't sign our deal. What they're saying to you is there, there will be a deal coming your way. Don't look elsewhere. And if you do look elsewhere, well, you're wasting your time because we've already decided what you're worth. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely abhorrent. And I think one of the reasons that Wales get away with this is because the low quality of the journalism there. Like nobody <laughs> asks any hard questions. Nobody asks hard questions. They're cheerleaders, and they're cheerleaders that then appeal to the authority of their title of journalists. So you can't question them, but they're not doing their job in any meaningful way. They're an absolute disgrace. Well, let's hope Curry Hill has or does sign a very lucrative contract that makes it all worth it, and yeah. he he will he can enjoy the fruits of his labour through that. Agreed. Exactly right. Agreed. Um, anything else to mention? I think so. Hmm. Just, um, just I've, I've very belatedly got into Fargo. What? Um, oh yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I, I mean, I watched the movie all those years ago, but I didn't watch the TV adaptation. My God, it's so good! It's so good. You're first, sa- I've, I've done the first two seasons. It's brilliant. You're a savage. Uh, it, it's some of the best TV ever made. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's just so. I don't know. I, I tell you something else, which is surprisingly good uh, I don't know how we roundly mocked about this Clarkson's Farm is a very good show I've heard good things I've had so many people saying that it is it's, it is lovely programming it's lovely innocent programming mm. that's, all I, that's all I'll say and the kids will like it and it's just, it's just good it's got a healthy message there's like there's nothing in it which is subvertive it's just him trying to try, trying to run a farm uh, the the reviews about it were so savage, I thought, yeah, I'm going to give this one a miss. There's anything like Grand Tour, not interested. But it's not. It's absolutely it's brilliant. There's a few hammy gags in it, but excuse the gag in itself. <laughs> but yeah, it's a very, very good series. I think uh, I think most people will, will like it. Fargo, best TV series ever made, probably. Mm. It's, 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 up it's, it's up there. It's so good. What's the little I can't phrase? believe I've taken this long to see it. Uh, what's the little phrase that they use in, in, in series one? All the time. Oh God, it's it's like you, several like, years since I watched like it. Like you know, or they've got a little conversational. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might so just one. be that. <laughs> it could well be that. It could well be that. Uh, yeah, e- excellent stuff. Right. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah. I, I feel up? like I want to t- tip from Phil now. Uh, Clark, um, Fargo from me. Clarkson's Farm from you, Phil. Uh, don't listen to me. I've, I've not had time to watch any television for a long time, other than uh, all of the rugby. Yeah, that's it. Good. <laughs> watch that Premiership final again. Yes, I d- I did watch it today again, and right. it was it was just as good the second time. All right, you clowns, Cal- uh, calm down. Let's uh, <laughs> let's finish this off. Uh, you find us on Twitter at Ruby Podcast. Find me at Jay Beardmore. Find him at Cocker. There's the email contact eggchasers at gmail dot com, and you want to be typing that in when you're volunteering to play sevens or tens for us, and if you want to come watch the live Egg Chasers podcast, meet him and Phil, doing what we do best, which is talking about rugby. On the day after the Lions tour, then you need to go to Eventbrite 
and find the tickets for the North Dorset Sevens there. North Dorset Sevens for the podcast. Right, we've done everything. We will see you very soon for some more Lions chat. I mean, we might mm. even do... Are we going to do a, a Lions preview or are we not going to do that until it gets serious? Uh, maybe mid, Maybe when the team first team gets announced, we could do something. Yeah, we will see. Right. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Phil. Nice Goodbye, one. Tim. Bye-bye. Cheers. Laters. Perfect. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.